Welcome to the WCAPS 5 podcast series. WCAPS is an online community dedicated to strengthening the leadership and professional development of women of color, specializing in the fields of peace, security, conflict transformation, and foreign policy. Join us as we unpack their valuable perspectives, learn from their strategies, and grow together. Vive. Vision. Impact. Voice. Engagement. Hello, my name is Ambassador Bonnie Jenkins, and I am the founder and executive director of Women of Color Advancing Peace, Security, and Conflict Transformation. You're about to listen to a podcast that took place on May 26 on being a male mentor. You are joining the conversation as it has already begun. Hi, everyone. Good morning. I am so excited to have you all here. I'm the fellow at WCATS, as Bonnie said. I'm an attorney, and I have a background in human rights. I worked in direct services. I worked on the ground in Senegal and Kenya, and now I have the honor of working at WCATS. So I am excited to introduce our panelists and get through some questions today. So I'm going to go right down the list and have each of the panelists introduce themselves. I'm excited to have my own mentor on the panel, Rami, so welcome, and all of our other amazing panelists here. Um, so if it's okay, I'm actually just going to go straight down the row from what's on my screen. So I'm going to start with Travis Atkins. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for the wonderful introduction, Netta and Bonnie. Uh, and for those of you who helped to organize this program, the first thing I want to say is that even though I can't see all of the participants, uh, just a note on the worthiness and the brilliance and the competence and the beauty of all of you. And so rarely do I go anywhere uh, before my own community of people and not acknowledge first that. And then just to say about myself, currently a lecturer of African and Security Studies at Georgetown University. And my broad career now over two decades, mostly Africa, mostly Middle East, everything from democracy and governance to humanitarian assistance and development. And I have been the beneficiary of many, many, many great mentors. And I have many mentees coming up under me, even as I come up under my own mentors. And so just putting out to start the notion that none of us are empty vessels or waiting to be filled, but we should all have enough space to take in more from people who have more experiences than us, even if they're peers or mentees, as well as to pour the knowledge and the gems that we gain through life and work experience and to share that with others, no matter what stage of, of our development uh, we find ourselves in. Thank you, Travis. And then I'm gonna move over to Leo Cruz. Uh, good afternoon, y'all. Thank you so much for uh, being here today. Thank you for WCAPS and everyone that's put this together. It's a great organization and I am honored to be part of this panel. As far as about myself, uh, I've had a varied career, both in uh, politics and policy, working first as a Navy veteran, uh, getting involved in campaigns locally, joining the Obama administration, working at the Pentagon during that time period, and now working at a group called National Security Action, where we're a uh, C4 political activity, really involved in, in the upcoming election, and understand we have a lot of great folks on our team that, you know, one of our our key functions and projects is to make sure that we are responsible with our senior leadership to make sure that they reach out to you, to folks like you. And so looking forward to this discussion. Thank you. 
and Anthony Robinson. Hello, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, thank you to Bonnie, Gabrielle, and to you, Nana, for having us uh, take part in this, this great event. I'm Anthony Robinson, uh, Marine Corps veteran. I worked in the Obama administration as a national security appointee, uh, then worked for a think tank Truman National Security Project as the director of training and public engagement. I now am the political director for an organization that trains uh, individuals to run for office, work on campaign staff, and to build up local leaders and organizers. Um, additionally, I am a Marshall Memorial Fellow 2019-2020 with the German Marshall Fund. And thankfully, in the fourth leg, the fourth inning, the final quarter of a master's at uh, SAIS at Johns Hopkins. So looking forward to, to finishing that up. It's a very interesting time to, to be a grad student and to be working full time. Mentorship, sponsorship, championship is all something that's very important to me. Um, I left out a, a, a decent portion of my professional career because I've also been a biology teacher and worked in radio in communications for a good number of years. And thankfully, I had people that in all of these areas were able to, as Travis said, pour into me at the same time found myself pouring into other people. I think it's vital. We cannot do this alone. Um, as many of us are have been marginalized or might consider ourselves as minorities, we know how difficult it can be. And so let us not create a, a vacuum for others that come behind us to not have the opportunity to hear about institutional uh, situations that might be helpful as we process and progress in our various fields. So I'm very excited to talk about all these things, share some things that you might not know, share some things that you might know, um, and to hear what is uh, most important to some of you as well when we take questions. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Um, and Daniel, if you could go next, Daniel White. Great, thanks so much, Dana. Thanks, Bonnie and Gabby and all the WCAPs for putting this together. Uh, I'm Dan White, West Point grad, served for about six years uh, in the Army, primarily in the uh, in the Middle East and then over in Asia and East Asia, and then uh, working for a, a one-star general on his personal staff doing human capital management. After that, spent some time in the corporate sector at Lockheed Martin, and then uh, over to GMF, the German Marshall Fund. I was in the security and defense team there. And I just recently graduated from uh, Columbia SIPA with my master's, and now I'm a uh, fellow at the Defense Department. So I'm excited to talk today about you know, the importance of mentorship, particularly uh, the number one thing that I think we forget, and that's candor. And with that, hand in hand comes having some tough skin. So I uh, look forward to the discussion and, and talking to folks uh, as we push this ball forward and inform everyone. And next I have Rami, Barbary, Rami. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. And I'd like to echo everyone else's sentiments. Uh, thank you, uh, Nana, Mani, for putting this together. I'm excited to be here. I'm humbled to be here amongst all these great panelists uh, with such a you know, vast array of experience. A little about myself, uh, I'm currently an attorney, uh, criminal defense attorney with Price Benowitz um, in Washington, DC, focusing on uh, a lot of white collar and violent crime. Uh, prior to that, I was a prosecutor in uh, Fairfax County uh, for the last three years. Um, one of the only minority members in that office at the time. And then prior to my legal career, I uh, worked in, an internet, in a business development capacity for an international private security firm based in Dubai, uh, and then I have a little bit of background in government. And so I'm excited to be here. Uh, mentorship has been a huge part of my life and the reason for where I am today. And I have done everything I can to try to pay it forward. I'm a big believer in that. And 
uh, Ino Netta is my, my mentee and we kind of got paired through the Arab American Institute um, many years ago and have continued that relationship and are kind of moving it forward. So I'm glad to be here as well. And lastly, but not least, Gabrielle Gay. Hello, thanks Neda. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this wonderful panel. I am Gabby Gay, and I work at Catholic Relief Services in impact investing and private sector engagement. I have a background in justice, international development, and international business. So I'm very happy to kind of be able to marry those two in my career. I also help uh, Ambassador Bonnie Jenkins with the uh, mentorship program and the Pipeline Fellowship program. So I'm happy to share um, some information about both of those programs and some of the relationships that I've been able to witness kind of flourish through those programs and share some, some best practices I've seen. So welcome, glad you're here and let's get the conversation started. Well, this is an amazing event, and I'm so excited for all of these panelists. Bonnie and I have been so excited all week. So we're going to start off with a really basic question. Just what are the good qualities of a mentor? What have you seen as good qualities you've had a mentor? What are some good qualities other mentors have had? Just what are some good qualities you've seen overall? Um, and we can kind of go back in the same order. If, Travis, you want to start the conversation, and we can go back through. Sure. I think that uh, match, as we talked about with the WCAPS mentorship, program and kind of an organic relationship with the person that you're mentoring for me is a, is a key component because as much as I respect and, and have had great success in some matching programs, I think the best mentee-ship, uh, mentorship, the relationships that I've had going either way essentially just formed as relationships with people who I had a shared interest in, right? And so there was not this notion, hey, you're my mentor. No, it was actually a relationship that developed because we are both looking at, you know, what's going to happen with the impending split from with South Sudan from Sudan or what's going to happen in the Nigerian election in the coming cycle. So things that are based on really organic kinds of issues of connectivity between myself and that person. But I think speaking from the perspective of a mentor, to be more specific to your question, really is just the willingness and the openness to share what you know and to meet people where they are uh, to a certain extent and to be very clear about your parameters, right? And so sometimes someone wants to meet with me and they may have an idea in their mind about a mentorship relationship, but they may get there and say, I just want to help people. And that's awesome. Like I've been that person and I've done that too, but that might not be the point where they should be talking to me, right? Depending on my relationship with that person, that may be more of a, a relationship or a conversation you have with your friends or that you journal about, or that you try to figure out before you get to me, because depending again on the nature of our relationship, I'm, more looking at how can I help you to move to where you want to move to, not how I can help you figure out who you want to be in a broad kind of philosophical sense, right? And I've done that before too, but I feel like I can be most utilized at this point in my career of you saying, hey, this is what I'm looking at. What do you think? Or these are organizations I'm interested in 
Do you know anyone there? Have you worked there? Can you put me in contact with folks so that people can walk away, not just with a kind of pep talk session, but with real action items that we can follow up on? And, and I say that not to disparage in any way the need to be philosophical, the need to think through things, the need to have pep talks, because I think those things are important too. I'm just focusing on some of the more concrete elements that can come out of these kinds of relationships. I would just start with that. Sure, and Leah, do you or Anthony or Daniel, anybody wanna add? I would just like to add a little bit to what Travis has said, and, and I know Anthony's got a lot of great thoughts on this, but uh, as far as uh, not only what I look to be as a mentor, but what I look for my mentors is, and I think this is on both sides of the relationship, is listening and being able to listen to what I'm trying to look for right now. What am I trying to get out of this relationship right now? What am I trying to get out of, you know, as much as Travis says, hey, don't come to me with like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Sometimes that's a struggle. And sometimes you do have to have that conversation. Uh, but I do agree with his point of saying like, particularly for those that are in DC, this conversation can go so much further if you know what you're looking for, because everyone in DC is smart. Everyone knows everyone. And you just kind of need, to, and I've, I've had people from WCAPS network and elsewhere reach out to me and I'm like, look, I am not the person you want to talk to because I am not in this field. I am not an expert, but I will connect you with a few people that I think would be a better, better fit for you. So that, that goes to the matching part that Travis had mentioned. And then the other part is looking in for a good mentors, also someone that's willing to not only just, hey, give you the hookup on this email or introduce you to this person, yada, 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 but someone that's willing to listen to you and listen to what you want out of your career and out of your life and says, look, this is the path that Leo took. And this is, and I honestly don't recommend anyone take the path Leo took, but Going down my path doesn't mean my only mentorship is to others to follow my path. Like to, and I've had different people that have been above me and, and have tried to mentor me. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to follow your path. I have never followed that path. Can you hear me for what I'm, I'm trying to bring to this and, and try to just steer how I go? And I think that's very useful for when you're looking for a good mentor is someone who's able to listen and help you on your path the way you want to go. And I would just add to that, to piggyback both of those, those sentiments and to, again, make it as foundational as possible on both ends. I think the question to ask is why do you want to be a mentor? Why do you want to be mentee? You have to answer that and be, be honest with yourself about that. And just, I'll, I'll just take from the mentor side asking yourself the question, what am I bringing to the table? I think there's a responsibility on both sides. You know, I, I think we expect it just to be this, even though we're connecting people, that there'll just be this blossoming relationship that, that comes about organically or, or something. Like, there's work to be put into it. And so from the mentor side, you really have to ask yourself, how much time do I have to put into this? Again, as Leo said, you know, your ability to, to listen. I think sometimes with the mentorship, I, I've often described it as, you know, it's more than just going having coffee once a month and the person as in you, the two of you at Starbucks, well, not right now, but, you know, just hearing you gripe and they nod and say, mm -hmm, okay, well, let's get together in a month and nothing's being born out of that. Uh, some people choose, you know, for, for less honorable reasons to be mentors. It, it might be padding 
a resume. I'm just going to be very 100% here and not not try to give you kind of the the roses and and fields of a flowers type approach to it. And I think that's very serious because when you talk about what you will be potentially pouring into the use Travis's work, pouring into somebody's life, I don't take that for granted. And I take it as an honor to be able to do that. So the things that I may say may be taken literally or to heart. And so I have to make sure those things are noble, honorable, truthful, because I do take that being a mentor uh, very serious. And to be honest with you, very selective in who I give my time to to do those things because I take it that serious. And from a mentee side, and we'll probably get into this more about just how the the onus is, is on you as well. You have a responsibility, whether it's discipline, whether it is, you know, having a, a plan together when you have time to sit down with this person that is giving you their time. So there's a responsibility on both ends and should both both sides should take it very serious. And I think I kind of alluded to it earlier. I think one of the biggest things that a mentor can be is candid. And if you are not willing to be candid to the person that you're mentoring to, then you're actually not a mentor. You're an associate, you're a contact, you're somebody that they know. Your job as a mentor, yes, is to build somebody up and, and kind of help them, but is also to poke holes into what their plans are, to provide them with a mature perspective and understanding the variables and obstacles that are they are likely to encounter before they get there. So I think it's important to take on the responsibility as a mentor to say, hey, I owe this person the bare bones truth to understanding how hard this next step might be, how unprepared they might be, and that they might need to have a, a second plan or a third plan, or maybe they're looking at the problem differently because quite often you will have kind of top level conversations with folks and you, you might think that this person is your mentor and you're saying, hey, I'm applying to graduate school. And, you know, you might not ask them the right to write a letter of recommendation, or you might ask them, you know, what they think of the reputation of the school. And you might actually know that that mentee has never taken calculus and has never taken econometrics. And now they're going to go to SICE, which, you know, requires six courses in econ, and that never comes up in your conversation. So I think what mentors owe the most is that candor and to kind of flip it and talk about what that mentee is, is they require tough skin. If a mentor is truly involved and is telling you things that you've never heard before, that sound a bit biting, that sound a bit sharp, then it's on you to say, okay, hey, let me, let me write that down. Let me maybe come to it when I'm less emotionally charged and understand that this was coming from a place of development, a place of love and faith a uh, place of growth. And I think too often, you know, that match might not happen because it's like, oh, well, this person doesn't understand what I'm going through or might be a little bit mean. And as we talk about cross-gender and cross-racial, a lot of times there might be that blind spot, um, whether if it's a racial situation or a situation where gender is kind of the, the dominant factor. But you need to make sure that you understand that other people will have different perspectives and will look at the situation completely different and will judge that situation not knowing a full story. So having that other perspective and being as candid as possible is, is really what mentors owe uh, their mentees. What I'd like to add to this is, you know, I think an overarching theme that's come across with everyone's comments is humility. And I think understanding that your role as a mentor is about 
allowing the mentee to ask those questions and to seek advice and to seek guidance and to answer those in a way that don't come across as hubris or ego. And I think that's an important part to it. Understanding that you as the mentor don't have all the answers and then that you're there to help guide the mentee through that process. Um, and I think humility kind of comes both ways and, and listening was a big component that I think Leo brought up. And I'd like to, I read something actually recently that talked about, you know, listening to connect, not to perform. And so I think that's, that kind of goes both ways, both for the good qualities of a mentor and a mentee. Me as a mentor, I'm not out there trying to just simply impress the mentee with all my accolades or all my accomplishments. They're to try to help guide you and bring you up with me to where you want to go, not necessarily where I am at. And I think you as the mentee uh, are there. You too often are listening to what I'm saying as a mentor. Uh, it can, you know, and, and can be trying to perform and show that, well, I have this experience and I have you know, I went to this school or that school, and this is kind of where I want to go and what I want to do, trying to impress us as the mentor. And I think it's important for the mentor to remember that's not their job. Their job is to, to be able to communicate and to listen and connect. And it's about relationship building. I think I brought it before in our previous conversations. You know, it's not about, can you just get me a job in this field or that field? It's about building a longer term uh, relationship. That goes, you know, beyond just professional boundaries. It turns into friendship. It turns into real mentorship, into relationship building, into helping each other get where you want to go. And I, you know, me as a mentor, I learn a lot from the people I'm, you know, I mentor as well. You know, this is definitely not a one-way street at all. So I think those are some of the qualities uh, that I'd like to just add to this conversation. May I add just one point after hearing all the brilliant responses from from these these brothers, is to say on this point of humility. And actually on Daniel's point as well about uh, being able to hear things from mentors is that, you know, your mentor is not a oracle, right? Your mentors can be wrong, right? They could be empirically wrong in terms of what they're sharing or saying, but also they could be telling you something that's just wrong for you, right? And so oftentimes what I try to think about when listening to mentors or giving mentorship is Am I telling this person what I did or what I would do? Or am I trying to guide them as to what they should do? And if it's about what they should do, then I have to look at their context. I have to look at their background. I have to look at the different types of skills that they have, which could supersede me now or could supersede where I was at the age or stage uh, that they are in their lives or in their careers. And so on this point of humility for us as mentors and for you all as mentors, but also on this point of being able to be diplomatic, of being able to filter guidance that you receive uh, from mentors. And what I often tell people is to take from me what sits right in your spirit or with your ethics or with your convictions and leave the rest. And I won't, uh, my commitment to you is that I won't hold anything against you personally just because you didn't take the job that I thought or you didn't go to the grad program that I was suggesting that you have the right to make these decisions for yourself without it negatively impacting our relationship going forward. 
That's a really interesting point, Travis and Rami and everybody, Anthony, Daniel. It actually brings me into my next question, which is what makes a good mentee? And for me, this one's pretty funny because Rami has been my mentor since 2014. We've definitely had our fair share of disagreements and we've also definitely agreed on a lot more things as well. But through that time, I've also changed as a person and he's also changed in his career and as a person. And so it's also made our relationship as a mentor mentee had to develop. So I would, when we first started our, our relationship as mentor mentee, it was like you said, assigned. And we just got on the phone and started chatting. And then I basically just kept blowing up his phone until <laughs> forcing him to have this relationship with me. So if it's okay, I'm going to go in the reverse order and start with Rami based on that and ask what is the qualities of a good mentee? So thank you, Neda. <laughs> You're too kind. I think, I think one of the most important things that I, you know, I think you did and I think can be applied to, to a lot of people seeking mentors is one, being engaging, being genuine, and honestly, not being afraid. You know, not being afraid to reach out, to call, to text, to email. Understanding that, you know, I think there's often kind of that fear that, oh, I might be annoying this person or that they're, I'm bugging them too much. But as a mentor, you know, me personally, I like to see that engagement. I like to see someone seeking out that advice. Uh, and that kind of inspires me to want to help them even more. You know, and I think that goes to the point of humility. It's that, you know, we often don't know. And I, and I, I was in that issues. I have very, very close mentors of mine that I send emails and texts and calls to all the time till this day still. And I don't worry at all about me bugging them because I know that, that I'm invested in them and they're invested in me. Um, and that it's a two-way relationship and trying to help each other build. So I think being engaging, not being afraid to ask the hard questions, not being afraid um, to have your point of view and to have those disagreements and those debates and learn and grow from them together, what, you know, whatever they may be, I think are very important aspects and important qualities uh, for a good mentee. I also do think an important thing is to understand and respect the mentor's time, always being respectful about patients, about getting back to them uh, or them getting back to you, excuse me, that sort of thing, I think is really important. And understanding um, that they will make the time because you have made that connection and you're building that connection. And even though sometimes you may not hear from them for a day or two, understanding that you know you are on their priority list and you are a part of that. And just understanding that as people get older, you know, people have families, people have children, people's careers become way more demanding, and you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And so for younger people coming out of grad school or undergrad or law school. Uh, that may not have some of those obligations yet, I think being a little more patient and understanding is a very important quality for mentees as well. I think that's really important to have, I think, like Rami said. And I think the other, from my standpoint, I think the number one thing that a, that a mentee can have is, is also candor. So yes, they need to have the tough, tough skin to understand, but the candor that they need to have is that you don't only hit your mentor up when you need something. Or when you are in a bind or you're between a rock and the hard place, that is the worst thing that you can do. Your mentor wants to share both your sorrow and your frustration with your accomplishments that you have. So it is important if you, let's say, publish an article that you just shoot them a quick email and say, hey, I got this out there. I just wanted to let you know. Or it's shooting a simple text message saying, hey, I'm not doing well in this course or something just happened just making you aware of the situation. Because if you're only asking them for help, 
they're not your mentor. They're more like your saint and you're just praying to them. And that's all that you're doing. And they're hoping they're the fairy godmother and they're going to make everything better. And then that really isn't a relationship that you want because now you're pulling that mentor down because the mentor doesn't have every chip that they can use to either help you if it's to get a job or help you to have a connection or whatever it is. So the most important thing is to engage often, um, regardless of what the circumstance is. You know, one of the things that I was taught early on in undergrad was when you find those mentors, you can literally build an Excel sheet and know you're not going to have 40 or 50 mentors, but you know, you're, you're probably going to have a solid five, let's say five or six. And you can just say, hey, every month, I'm going to email one of them and just give them an update. And that's what's important. You have to let people know kind of both sides of what's going on. Because if you're only talking about the bad stuff, it makes it for a very difficult conversation every time. And then the mentor might not want to help anymore because how do they feel they're just being used as a lifeline, not as somebody who's enriching? So I'll just follow up with, with two points. Um, a mentee should be open and should be active. When I first came to DOD, when I was a, um, when I first came on with the Obama administration, I just knew that when I walked into the doors of the five-sided building, there was going to be a black man that was going to be standing there with like an aura around him saying, Anthony, come on in. I, I want to work with you and only you, and I want to see you succeed. And most of my mentors ended up being women and some of them not African-American white women. I learned some great skills about government writing. Anybody that has worked in the government you know that's a, a different skill from anything else that you do from school, <laughs> anything else. And I had to learn some hard lessons about government writing. And I had a mentor that was very, very tough on me. I mean, a lawyer, so that meant that I got all of my uh, digital uh, writings back with her handwritten <laughs> edits, track changes. She did not do digital track changes. And it was mostly in red. There's something about seeing red ink that just oh my gosh, I'm disappointed I failed. But through that, I learned a lot and I became more conditioned for government writing. And it's, it's served me well um, in many areas that, that, I, that I've been in. So don't look for just someone that looks like you or has your particular lane. Because honestly, I think sometimes we may find ourselves getting too familiar if I'm with another Black man get too comfortable. And I would suggest to you, don't get familiar too soon. You know, if somebody's name is Dr. Dr. Jenkins, then that's how you should refer to them until you are, you know, told otherwise. Sometimes it's best if we meet people that are, that can still have something to offer us, but may not look like us and continue to be a natural fit, if you will. Next thing, and I'll, I'll be quiet, is be active. Anyone that I vouch for, I need to see that they're doing the work. If you're in school, it's, it's fine. You don't have to be at, at my uh, necessary, my professional level or whatever, but I need to see that you're engaged in some student activity. If you're out of school, have you uh, written the op-ed? Like, I need to see that you are doing the work before I invest more time um, into you. So I would say be open to people that may not be, that you may not be familiar with or naturally fit your ideal of who's the best mentor for you and be active. You've got to do the work. Wow. So many great points. Uh, I think a couple of things that I want to hit on is, is using that old adage of time is money. And I am giving you my time. I am giving you money to show up for whatever mentorship opportunities I, I share with you. So 
I think we had a very long discussion about uh, mentees showing up on time, having the respect. I mean, I understand life happens and whatnot, but understanding how much a mentor is rearranging their life to give to you uh, and being respectful of that. Uh, just how I mentioned listening on the mentor side, the same thing is on the mentee side. And I think people have mentioned that already as far as like listening as these critiques or these guidances are not personal. This is like, you know, you don't get mad at your trainer at, at your gym or whatever, because they're saying, Hey, you're not doing that push up the right way or whatever. Right. Like that's what I'm paying you for is to yell at me and to say, Hey, I got to do pushups. Right. So being able to, to do that. And then I think something that's hit upon, and I share this with pretty much everyone I meet in particularly in DC is that there are two types of people you meet. There are the people who will want to get to know you because they want to get to know your boss. They want to climb up the ladder. You know, they're not really concerned about building relationships. Don't be that person. And then the other is, you know, when they ask, what do you do is because like I said earlier, this community is very connected. If I don't know what subject area you're looking in, or I don't know where you're from or whatever, I know someone that is, and I know someone that would, would be helpful in that conversation. And even though I, I think to Anthony's point of like, Hey, you may not be in defense policy. You may not be into politics, but like, I may know an, a few people that can get you there. And then also just trying to, if it's a good mentor and I, and I hope I do this with, with folks that come to me is to say, like, no, I really do want to hear what is the question you want to be when you grow up and like, okay, here's the like high target you got. Great. You're not going to get it out tomorrow. So like, how do we get you from where you are now to where you want to be? And like, what are the steps in between and trying to help facilitate that? And I think the point's about, you know, don't just call me when you need a job. Let's have a discussion. Let's, you know, go through these difficult times and understand that these relationships could be really close and tight, or, you know, it is kind of a, Hey, you know, it's, it's kind of an as need basis, but like for one of my mentors, I know there are times where we just don't check in with each other, you know, and then I'll have to make the effort to reach out to him and say, Hey, like we haven't caught up in a while. We need, we need to do this. And, and it's just that conversation, even though it's far apart is powerful every time I have it with them. And so sometimes it's not every week, Sometimes it's not texting all the time, but making sure that they're aware of your life and that they're, they're still being useful is on you as the mentee. Uh, it's not my mentor's job to make sure he checks in with me. It's my job to make sure that we check in with each other. Well, my brothers have done such a great job that I don't have anything new to add. So I will just try to tie in a few things uh, that they've said and, and put it kind of through my personal lens. I think a big thing for me uh, perhaps just my personality, perhaps as a Southerner, perhaps being raised in a certain kind of way is the preparedness and, and the person who's done the work, as Anthony talked about, it is someone who actually does have respect for the time uh, that I am giving to them, uh, the information that I'm giving to them. And, and I, but I want to be very clear what I mean when I say this because I don't think you should fear uh, your mentor. I certainly don't believe that you should be uh, nervous about being unduly reverential, uh, because again, they're not some oracle, they're not some God. But for me, the things that I'm gonna provide you besides my time 
are not just things that I was born knowing, right? They are things that I paid a tremendous price to learn. Often they are lessons that I may have learned from making mistakes, from losses, right? There are lessons that I might have learned from my grandmother who grew up in the Jim Crow South, or that someone's you know, immigrant grandfather who came to America from a war shared with them, and they're giving away this to you, and you don't have to do any of the work or suffer any of the pain that they suffered to gain that knowledge. And so when someone is doing that, you should take that seriously and understand how powerful that is. The second thing, and again, maybe just me culturally, but I also find that it, it works, and that is expressions of gratitude. And so one of the things that I do, Leo talked about check-ins, and I think Rami and everyone in, in some way talked about this notion of checking in. And so I'm a big person on, you know, I've become a collector and a connoisseur of different types of thank you cards. And I always send them out, right? And when you do it that way, you don't have to wait for Christmas to roll around if you met somebody in February, right? You don't have to wait for a special occasion. And one of the things that's really powerful about the thank you card, and sometimes I may put a Pete's coffee or Starbucks card in there, is that I think oftentimes we struggle with how is this person going to remember me? How am I going to you know, continue this relationship? And so I would start out doing stuff like that and I'd go to their office and my card would be sitting on their desk or I'd meet them, you know, three months later and they're buying me a coffee with the Starbucks card that I sent them three months earlier. Right. And so these kinds of things keep you in someone's keep you in someone's mind. I think the other thing that's really, really important, and this goes to Leo's point about the smallness of our world and, and everyone being connected. When I think about these things, it's not just as your mentor that I'm judging you that you should be the way that I want you to be. What I'm really saying is, these are the criteria that I need you to demonstrate to me for me to feel comfortable recommending you to other people, to other opportunities, to other jobs. Because if, you, if you're not timely, if you're not respectful, if you don't follow up, and if you don't show gratitude, then it's going to be very difficult for me to send you to my friend or to someone I know who's hiring. Because if it doesn't go well, they don't know you and you'll never hear from them again. But I'm going to hear from them all the time if I send them someone who's not serious, who's not prepared, and who's unfocused. And then you're not only putting my name and reputation on the line, but you're actually putting a blemish on my word and my power to recommend other people who will be coming after you. And so I'm saying all that to say, be yourself, be free, be liberated, but understand that you're operating in a chain of people who have sacrificed and who basically all we have really is our word and our good name. And that's what we're leveraging to try to help you. And so just for you to understand that, to know that the same is true of your name and your reputation and that you should guard yours in the same as well. Thank you so much for that, everyone. So I have one more question I'm gonna ask the group and then I'm gonna turn it over to Gabby to talk about the mentorship programs. And then we've been getting a lot of questions on the chat. So I'm gonna go jump into the Q&A after. 
So the last question just to kind of talk about is, do you think there's a difference in being a male mentor to women and girl mentees versus male men? And this kind of also builds into a question that Nomsa asked, asking whether there was a certain awareness or intention that you applied to being a male mentor. Uh, yeah, I certainly think that there are differences. And one of the things that, that I would say, and I say it all the time to, to my students or who are women or to my peers or to people who mentor me, is just about ensuring the comfort level of the person in terms of you know, what information, what contact information um, have they shared with me? Have they felt empowered to set appropriate boundaries for when we contact each other or how we contact each other, where we meet, how we meet, and basically trying to make sure um, that I'm flexible and able to adjust to whatever it is that meets those standards uh, for them because uh, certainly we hear in the news, but also know personally horror stories that people have had around kind of male mentorship with, with women, some of the challenges that that can produce. Uh, sometimes as a male mentor, it, it actually may be someone who may be looking at you in some starry-eyed, kind of crushy kind of way, you know, and how do you manage those scenarios? Um, how do you have a, a personal relationship that's not necessarily an intimate or overly intimate relationship so that making sure that you're also respecting those kinds of, of boundaries and then being someone who can be an example to them of kind of what these relationships can look like um, so that they don't feel, uh, to Anthony's point, that their mentor has to be their same race or has to be uh, their same gender. And so really trying to help them open up a world in which a multiplicity of kinds of people can be uh, supports for them. So as far as, uh, and I saw it in the chat as well, as, as far as do I approach mentorship to women different than, than men? I would like to say no, but I also know that I don't know what it is to be a woman. I also don't know, don't know what it means to be a person of color that's not a Latina, you know, I don't know what it is for, for, I, I didn't go to Ivy League school. So like, don't have that relationship, you know, don't know what that means for, for people that have done it. And so I try to share what I don't know. And I try to share like, this is from my perspective, this is what I have seen work. Or if I feel like there's a big gap and in, in, in the person really needs an answer to this question, to say, okay, you know, you as a young black woman trying to get a start in her career in nuclear proliferation. Have you ever talked to Bonnie Jenkins? Cause like, that's a great woman to start with, you know, and try to make those connections and try to say, okay, here are the people you need to do. And, and in all honesty, like I, I've seen this in a number of these, particularly in the diversity space, where talking with different generations of uh, particularly women, and there are women that came into the career fields in the early 90s. There are women that came in the career field in the early 2000s. And there are women that are coming into the career field now. That's a wide gap. That's a very wide gap. And I think it's part part for, for mentors of, of whatever sex, but of different age ranges to understand that like the experience that I had back when I graduated school in the early 2000s is not the same 
It's definitely not the same as any, anyone graduating right now. And so to have that understanding and for, I think it's a job of a mentor to recognize that my experience will inherently be different than yours. Like there's no way we could have the same relationships. There's no way we could have the same experiences. And so I try to recognize that I try to do my best. And I try to say like, look, I will get you so far based on my experience, but when there are key points and key questions, let's get you the right expert. Let's get you someone that has that experience, or at least I have looked up to that experience and make sure that happens. So I will tell you what I don't know, but I think it's also on me to make sure that you, you do actually uh, get answers to those questions. Yeah. I would just add that. I, I approach it as like, yes, there are some, there are some unique ways that I approach engaging a mentee that is a, that is a, a woman. But I think the most important thing that I can do that I consider is creating space for education, engagement, and empowerment. And just like Leo said, there's some things that I do not know. And on the mentee side, you know, just as Travis was saying earlier that somebody might not be a good fit, you have to learn how to use your filters with that. Filter in the information like, okay, I may need these first two things. I don't need the, the third and fourth thing, you know? So you have to adjust your filters as well because some things I may say may resonate, some of them uh, may not, but I want to be able to create that, um, that space. And something that I, again, I just don't want it to get lost in this conversation. Uh, what Travis said about male mentors not trying to create some type of power dynamic or creating an unsafe space. Um, I think that's very important because there may be people, um, like you may be that Lincoln, again, taking it very seriously. You may be that, that one person that either encourages the person to continue to engage with other male mentors or other people that don't look like them or that shuts it down. And how serious is that? How serious is that? So I want to create um, that positive space for education, engagement, and, and empowerment. I would say there has to be a particular intention. I mean, I, I've operated, you know, for the last decade and a half or so, you know, in the hardcore security space, you know, on, on the hard side. And just an acknowledgement and to be purposeful to say there are not a lot of women and parity has not been approached, so it is going to be hard. And, you know, it kind of goes back to the candor, but also it's to let women know that as hard as it is going to be, there is still an opportunity for you. And then just to echo off Anthony and Travis is, is the ability of comfort to always remain paramount. So folks don't ever feel like they're either subjugated to that power dynamic, which happens sometimes subconsciously, uh, or unconsciously, you know, one might say, and that it's, it's an environment that you might not see um, or environment that you might not be familiar with. I remember distinctly when I went to go see my, my woman mentor, my mentor who was a woman, you know, she ensured that the door was not completely closed. You know, I'm being like, hey, and that was actually the subject of our conversation was like, look, you know, if you're in the room with a, a man and a man, you might close the door, but because of the perceptions, we should keep the door open a little. So then for me, I said, you know what? I'm going to try to make sure whenever anybody's in the room that I'm not closing the door. So that way somebody doesn't have, just because of their gender or the gender that they identify with, an unfair advantage. What I'll add from my perspective, you know, I am of Arab American background of Palestinian descent, and I'm also of a Christian background. And I think 
you know, the term I'll use is cultural competency, you know, religious competency, um, and understanding um, when you're becoming a mentor to anyone, especially the, a woman of Arab background or of Muslim background. I've lived in the Muslim world, I live in the Arab world. I, I, I put myself in those situations to educate myself as best I can, but there are a lot of various, you know, small things like shaking hands that a lot of, for instance, Muslim women uh, don't do. Some do, some don't. And so being aware of those kind of cultural competencies and perhaps in religious kind of principles that exist, I think have guided me in understanding my relationships uh, with female mentors, uh, excuse me, mentors and mentees. And especially in the legal community, you know, there are not a ton of Arab Americans in the legal community, especially when I was a prosecutor in the prosecution space or anything like that. And so I think it's just about some, you know, what everyone else has talked about, about setting those boundaries, about not, about building empowerment, you know, on, on both sides. And, but I think also just respecting uh, the cultural and religious, you know, competencies, if any, if any exist, I think are very important. It's about, it's about common sense. It's about just being, being very respectful in general. Uh, and I think as, you know, as a male mentor, as long as you kind of abide by those and understand and have a lot of self-awareness uh, when it comes to those things, you know, you, everything's going to be okay. Uh, and, and that relationship should prosper uh, as you would expect. Uh, and that's, I think, all I really have to add to, to everything else that everyone else said. So that was amazing. We've had a number of questions. So if it's okay, Gabby, I'm going to ask you to speak a bit about our mentorship programs and on what you do with the match and then jump into these questions. All right. Sounds good. Everybody, thank you so much. You guys have dropped some really good gems and I will respond right after I just kind of define what the programs are, because I think it's also important to understand what mentorship is and how it compares to sponsorship and championship. And one of the other ones that I kind of had in my toolkit was kind of having an advisor. So I think it would be very helpful to kind of go over those and then see what we've been doing in the WCAPS programs. So the first one is the just regular WCAPS mentorship program. And that is a program for folks in all different areas of their life and career. And they agree to sign up. They have a deliverable that they will do or complete with their mentor. So that could be an op-ed or that could be a five minute long video. And the idea is to cultivate, just cultivate a professional relationship, whatever it is that you may need in terms of kind of talking through your career goals, Many of the folks are in school, so they're asking for advice on what types of programs or internships or fellowships they should take advantage of while they complete their education. Um, and then just also kind of information about the career that their mentor may be in. So a lot of the matches were very intentional. We asked everybody to kind of give us a synopsis or a snapshot of what their interest is and we try to match them as closely as possible. I know a lot of you guys mentioned, you know, some of the best mentor relationships are formed organically, which is very true. But there's also value in having a good match. And then the Pipeline Fellowship Program, which the age range and career, I guess, career, um, wherever you are in your trajectory range, 
is varied. So we have some students in junior high school, and then we have folks that are getting their graduate degrees and even a couple of seasoned professionals. So these are folks and they all learned together. So this was our first ever, oh, I meant to mention that for the mentorship program, we're in our second iteration. And for the pipeline fellowship program, this is our first iteration. So we lumped everybody together. It was very interesting um, to see how everyone learned from each other and interacted. I'll leave it up to Bonnie to decide how the second iteration will go and how we'll um, categorize and split those folks up, but very interesting and very fun. Um, we'll have our last meeting actually in a week, I believe, a week from Saturday will be our last session for that. And their deliverable was to write a paper and the length of the paper varied on which group, age group they fell into or professional group they fell into about an issue of peace and security and then also to do an oral presentation kind of ted talk style and they were also matched with peers and then also with more seasoned mentors and they were able to obviously um, go back and forth with those different folks and get whatever information or guidance they needed um, in order to complete the project so it's a little bit more focused rather than focusing on their career or future plans, although they can do that too. So that is the gist for the two programs. And I think hearing a, a lot about what you gentlemen have said about, you know, the roles of the mentor and the role of the mentee, I agree with a lot of it. And, you know, you definitely want to make sure that that relationship is mutually beneficial. You want to make sure that, you know, both sides are putting in enough effort in order to in that relationship um, and you just want to make sure that it's a good match that the interest is there that you're open a lot of the things that you guys mentioned but I also think it's important for me you know I have my idea in my head of what a mentor is and it may not be the same for everybody and which is which is why we heard so many you know different responses it's important to kind of come up with all of those things and broadcast all of those things so that you hit the different points that all of the participants may be thinking. But I also think it's valuable to rein, in it, rein it in a little bit. And I will quote the wonderful ambassador, Wynn Stanley, who's not here with us today, but she did a fabulous session on um, negoti negotiating your salary specifically. And she dropped some gems at the end of that, and I'd like to share those with you. So she says, an advisor is someone in your office, in your work environment, maybe whether that's professional or academic at this point, who kind of shares the inner workings with you. So they're there to, to guide you through your current situation and to help you, you know, stay above it all, uh, in a sense. When I think of a mentor, and she mentioned also, a mentor is someone who talks through career strategies with you. So, I mean, they know your issues, they know your goals, they know the good, bad, and the ugly, right? So they're there to really guide you. And one thing that my mentor, I was in the first iteration of the mentor, and my mentor is just amazing. And I always try to learn from her because I'm also a mentor. So I try to pass those different things on. And she is a great listener. And that's 
the main thing that she does is she listens, she guides me, she forces me to come up with my own solutions. So that's what I try to do as a mentor is to really talk through different scenarios. I might share what I would do. Sure. I kind of have been through some of the things that one of my or mentees has been through. And we talked recently. So that's why I'm thinking of this. Um, so I gave her, you know, what I would do in the situation, but I really let her think through it and talk through it and asked different questions that would lead her to finding her solution or getting to what she thinks would be the best for her situation. So that's what I see a mentor is. They know all the dirt, right? And then a sponsor is like the rainmaker in her words. So that's the person who gets you a job or might recommend you for a project or, you know, a promotion or something along those lines. So they're the ones putting their neck out, so to speak, and vouching for you. And she mentioned that, you know, it's, it could be both. You could have a mentor that's a sponsor, but generally you see them separate because you don't want somebody who's sticking their neck out for you or recommending you for something to kind of know the ugly side or know some of the, the dirt, so to speak, on you and have any reservations. So you keep those two separate. Like you might have someone who's your sponsor who, yeah, doesn't necessarily know all of those details. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but I am interested in hearing about what a champion is because I hadn't heard that um, term either. Um, and maybe maybe that's just a mashup of all of them. I don't know. But that's my two cents on that. Thank you so much, Gabby. So Gabby mm -hmm. is also the co-chair of the Young Ambassadors Program, which she and I co-chair together. And she does a lot of wonderful things for WCAP, and we are so grateful to have her. So we have a lot of questions and not a lot of time. So if I can ask each of the panelists to be pretty brief, I'll start with Gabby's first question on what is a champion? And if somebody wants to take that on quickly, that would be great. I'll step in. This is one of the terminology that I have built and started incorporating more as I started doing more uh, diversity and inclusion training. Champion is really the person, it's, it's a deeper investment if you will. Um, a champion is someone, I'll give you an example, Gabriella, if you were creating some type of, uh, we've gone through maybe the mentor phase or the sponsorship phase, and you are working on your PhD, which is some new application that will gamify strategies for dealing with a humanitarian crisis. I know you now that I will invest my resources and pool other resources. You know, so and again, it could be fiscal, it could be human capital, but it's a, it's a deeper investment, probably the deepest investment, if you will, when you look at all the different different layers. And of course, that takes time. And this is where, again, with, without question, somebody will probably stick their you know their neck out uh, for you in this case. So that's that's championship. That's the the deepest level of, of this relationship. And I, I think it goes without saying that just like with any relationship, you know, it takes a lot of time and investment to build it up, but it can fall apart <laughs> in an instant, you know, so, so being aware of that. So you have to, you have to maintain relationships, you know, on, on any level. And the last thing that I will offer to about that, that championship um, and the sponsorship to championship piece, I heard a, a great saying, I would love to, to, to think that I could come up with this on my own, but it was Secretary of the Navy, 
uh, Ray Mavis, when we were working there, he was, we were talking about investment in people and being a mentor, sponsorship, and a champion is, is an investment, but he used the phrase, planting the seeds of a tree that you may not experience the shade. Something that will last long beyond our time. You know, I, I thought that was meaningful to me. I want to be able to, to contribute something that will last way beyond my, my days. And so that's, that's how one way you can, you can view this. You know, one thing I wanted to add there quickly is the idea of what Anthony was talking about and, and as well as what Gabriel laid out. And I guess I want to say that mentees should not feel pressured to decide what the relationship is, right? The, the relationship will tell you what it is, right? Someone who is your advisor could become your mentor, could become your champion, right? And so it's all about how the relationship uh, organically, I think, progresses often. And, and, and I say that because I think a lot of times when we get into these conversations, I've heard people, you know, struggling and trying to make a, a matrix and a rubric. Is this person my advisor? Is this person, well, do they only advise you? Even if they, no matter how they define it, if that's the role they play, then that's what they are. But they can become more than that in your life. And so I think when we get to hard and fast definitions, when we're talking about humans, it's obviously very difficult uh, to do that. And so just to acknowledge um, that there'll be a lot of gray area between these various designations. That's excellent, Travis and Anthony. I definitely think that in my own uh, mentorship experience with Rami, it's also shifted throughout the years. And so it's been fantastic. The longer we've known each other now for six, seven years, I can definitely say he's my champion, which is exciting. So this actually brings me into a question with that Onika brought up. And it's something that Daniel and Leo had talked about and that also Travis, you had spoken about with how upfront are you with your mentees about your own mistakes or biases? If you guys want to speak briefly on that, that would be great. I mean, I can start with that. I think, I mean, just I've applied for so many things and not gotten it. <laughs> I think, you know, and that's something that we forget is that, you know, you have to, uh, you know, I mean, I remember applying to graduate schools and I applied to 15. You know, and I didn't, I got into, you know, 13 of the 15, but like you have to do a lot and you have to apply to everything out there and do all that. So you learn a lot as far as the mistakes that you made and you learn how to better identify what your value proposition is, whether it's applying for a job or for a fellowship. But then also you talk about, I think what I try to, some of the lessons that I really try to teach my mentees is during my times of leadership a lot of the mistakes that I made, I now only understand that I made upon reflection. So it's the opportunity that you're saying, okay, hey, when I was on a deployment in the Middle East and there was a situation that happened, I thought that it went very well and we were very effective. And now thinking back to it because I might, you know, read a, a book or I might talk to a mentee, a mentor or a mentee about something else, I realized, wow, there might have been a better way that I could have empowered my team. Even though we accomplished the mission, I probably could have done this in a better way. So it's, it's important, I think, to talk about the failures in the way as a source of growth and a source of perspective. And like it was mentioned before, or I don't remember who said it, but you know, your mentors are human. I'd like to, to add on that. Um, I think, you know, something I'm willing to share and have always been willing to share is that, you know, I took the LSAT twice. I took the bar twice and have never been able, uh, 
shy and shied away from those failures. And I think to answer that question, that I, you know, I've always been very upfront about my failings and my mistakes. And I think you know, you make a very good point. It's about growth. It's about sharing them through that prism and through that lens of growth. And that you know, we struggle too. And especially, you know, coming from minority backgrounds, it's harder for us. Period. And it's important for those coming after us to know that we've gone through those same struggles and we're here, we've made it and we're still striving and we're still thriving. And so I think it's, you can be strategic about how you share it, when you share it and what you share, but I don't think it's, it's, it's a good strategy to, to hide away from them or to make it seem that, you know, you, your success appeared overnight or that it, you're just there and that you were that awesome. Cause you know, we're not, uh, you know, we all struggle through it and we all grinded it, grinded it out and made it to where we're at because of, of those mistakes and those learning experiences. So me personally, I, I think to answer that question, I'm extremely upfront um, about my failings and my past because it's, it's led to exactly who I am and builds that resolve over time and builds character. I would just add that I think there are fewer things more powerful than to demystify your success or anyone's success in a mentor-mentee relationship. And so, like, I've often been introduced in forums, on panels, and, you know, someone reads your bio. And one of the things I always say is to remember that my bio is a marketing document. This is something that I'm using to get jobs and things of that nature. But what you're not going to see on there is the fact that I had to wash my clothes with dishwashing liquid when I was working on an unpaid internship or the times that my lights got turned off because I was trying to figure out how to pay my student loans, get through grad school and find a job. And to let mentees know that the starting point is not the end point, right? And that nothing about uh, my life or my success was inevitable. Uh, because I think if you're not showing that to someone, if you're allowing them to see you in this exalted place that you are or that you think you are as if it was your birthright or as if it was inevitable, then you rob them of the chance to grow in the way that you do. I, I think the other thing that it allows you to do is sometimes with a mentor, you're telling them what you think. But when it comes to your own personal experiences and failures, uh, these are spaces in which you can speak from the authority of that which you know. And then that may allow them to avoid certain pitfalls that you fell into. And I, I think just to add is, is I do this because of my failures. I do this because I've also too have been unemployed numerous times and like have been on the struggle of like sitting there, sending out a hundred resumes and applying to jobs and cruising LinkedIn and trying to figure all this out and just be like, I just need someone to respond to an email and I need to, needed to just get one coffee today. Like I just need to talk to someone and, and have them tell me, you know, look, you're doing all the right things. It's a struggle here. And, and you're a good person. You're, you're going to get it. And I've been on that side. And so I feel I have a responsibility to be the person now on the other side of the call, other side of the coffee table and saying, Hey, you know, everyone struggles. Everyone's been through here. This is part of the, the struggle of succeeding. And if there's something I could do to help you, to get up there, that's what I'm here for. And it, and if it's valid for me to share you either my personal story or stories that others have shared with me to say, other people have been down this same path before. They too have succeeded. 
you are struggling right now and that is fine, but this too shall pass. And, um, you know, that's why we're here. That's why we're spending this time with each other, uh, building this community to make sure that your path is not as hard as mine. So that actually brings me into two other questions. And I know we only have 10 minutes left, so you could be kind of brief in your responses. The first one is dealing, what about increasing the mentorship for persons with disabilities? Because there are audiences out here who have exceptional social barriers that their difficulties might be different than your own. My other question, I'll, I'll add the second one, is how often do you have the opportunity to mentor women specifically, also dealing with the fact that women also have social barriers of their own? So those are kind of separate questions. They're very different. You can be a person with disabilities and be a woman with disabilities. And I think those are very different. But if you can kind of speak to some of those more social barrier issues, that would be fantastic. I would just say that I think one of the first things that we can do is we can start talking in our uh, discussions with, with idea, with um, inclusion, diversity, equity, and access. We have to make our conversations include more than just gender and race. We have to continue to talk about ability. We need to include that in our conversation. We need to talk about religion and, and other pieces of, of identity that we don't usually discuss. So A, we need to include that in our discussion um, more. Um, as far as creating access, I think for organizations like us can, can do more outreach to other organizations. I, I will say that um, in my current job during Autism Month, we found a way to uh, utilize some great work from, a, from an intern that was able to educate me on some organizations that I was not even aware of to talk about just even in the space of how candidates can, in the campaign space, you know, creating the access for, for people and, and the, the demographic that that represents in the, in the electorate. And so um, I think outreach can, can be improved, but being mindful of, of where you meet, being mindful of, of again, of, of how you engage um, those things. And, and that's a certain level of competency as well to, to utilize what, what, um, what Rami was talking about earlier. So I, I think that's one of the things, but I think it starts with the conversation, expanding our, our conversation uh, and being more aware. I also want to build on that question briefly too and ask, do you think maybe there are gender norms that might come across into your professional life as a male mentor? Have you ever had to police your own biases maybe? Absolutely. I do idea trainings and I'm constantly having to grow. You know, a lot of times we fall into the trap of thinking that, that we're the most woke and, and no one else is, is woke, but there's a lot that we have to do. I, I think about just even from the standpoint of over-talking people. I mean, I'm one of the people that have to pipe down and have to be real back in. But I, when I became aware of it, now I'm more cognizant of it. And these things are, they're just natural, you know, for me, because I made a, a deliberate and intentional choice to be mindful of where my biases, you know, were not mansplaining, even when it's time, even my, my current position and in, and in school too, when it's time for people to present. You know, is it the same people or the same people presenting? I'm more mindful of do I have the right mix or balance or at least have made the effort to be intentional on uh, being more inclusive and more equitable and, and creating access and creating that space. So absolutely, you have to check yourself. You definitely have to check yourself. And that's for, for all people. That's for all. 
I think about that directly, Anthony, because, you know, as I have mentors who are anywhere from white women, you know, just kind of across the spectrum, I had a mentor ask me, um, a white male mentor, and I was explaining a situation that was, uh, that was 100% racial in context, and, you know, it didn't work out in my favor, and it was uh, a public scenario in a former organization I was a part of, and I said, you know what, I, you know, in this situation, instead of going to a person of color, I wanted to go to a white person who was my mentor and be like, hey, help me understand this, <laughs> because obviously you're, you can look at this a way that I can't. And at the end of the conversation, he shared, he said, well, you know, if you want more people to kind of be on your side and kind of understand this, are you mentoring young white men in the space of equity and of fairness and of equality and diversity? And, I, and it made me pause to think and realize that I had it, that although I want to help a lot of people and, you know, I try to think, okay, you know, kind of help us first, I also have to think about, okay, but are there people who can be allies and is there a way that we can help build the allyship from the ground up. So I think it's being cognizant of, of how are we helping people and what is the long-term impact of helping people. So if you're not, you know, if we get to a place to where maybe the obstacles might not be as frequent, that there are people helping us remove those obstacles, not just all the set of Black men that are together that are helping, but kind of bring more. So the next question is, how do panelists establish relationships with mentees who might not have experience or exposure to the mentee-mentor dynamic? Have you ever had to sort of explain it, or how do you first start the relationship? I would speak to that just a little bit, Netta, because I, one of the things about Washington for me, or it could be anywhere, but I think D.C. is a, is a unique instance in some, in some ways uh, to look at the kind of rhetoric that we use, right? So people love to talk about, you know, mixers or networking and networking events. And I often hear people say, well, I don't really know how to network. I'm not good in these environments. And I always try to do kind of, maybe it's more of a semantic shift, but I think of it as a paradigm shift from networking to, to community building, right? Because the thing for me is that you're not trying to build a transactional relationship, right? If I know that you're only talking to me because I work at a certain place or because I went to a certain school, then I'm not as interested. And one of the things that, that I tend to live by is a, is a saying that uh, says you have to build your well before you're thirsty, right? And this goes back to some of Daniel's points about not reaching out on, until you're in trouble or when you want something. And many of my greatest mentors really are just my friends who I ask about certain things in their career, who I, I've read their book and I have questions about specific things and how it relates to my life. And then over the course of months or years, it becomes this organic relationship that's completely unforced. And then I can ask them about things. And so one of the things that I suggest to people is to really think about your areas of passion, uh, to really think about the next the, the first next steps in your career where you want to go and to put yourself in spaces and places where there are people who have those thoughts and feelings, where there are people who have, you know, they're ahead of you in that process, WCAPs and the others, and then just to be yourself and to have people know who you are and what you love and where you're interested in going. Because I think 
the less we think of it as like we're doing a thing. I'm going out to get a mentor. I'm going out to network. I'm going out to do this thing that there are rules and parameters to. I think that that makes people awkward. It makes things nervous. It forces things that are unnatural and it leads to a lack of success. And so, you know, that would be kind of my two cents about trying to approach it in more of a, of a natural way and not kind of forcing things. And I'll build a little bit on that. I think actually, Netta, you can probably speak to this a little better than I. And, I, and the example I'll use is a, a recently a young woman reached out to me, a uh, young Arab American woman reached out to me who was in the process of graduating undergrad and interested in going to law school and was very, very eager and just kind of sent me a random message on LinkedIn. And because I want to take that initiative, I, you know, I responded back and we began emailing and, and did a call. And I thought that Netta was a great person to introduce her to, uh, especially coming you know, from the female Arab American perspective and especially from the legal perspective. But I know Netta had to have a kind of come to Jesus moment with her about how she was approaching the conversations and about how or what it was she was looking for. And this goes back to the very earlier point uh, that I think that it was either Travis or, or Anthony brought up of, you know, you're not coming to me with the, you know, who am I as a person? You know, you're coming to me already with somewhat of that goal, those goals in mind and helping to seek that guidance. And, you know, we had a, a very respectful talk, or excuse me, Netta had a very respectful talk with her about that. That was part of the, the mentor and mentorship kind of dynamic. So I think that answers part of that question is that you know, you're, you're up front with them. And that's what Dana was talking about. You, you have that candor with them about, all right, listen, this is how you approach this. Let's, let's have a conversation about how to try to do this better next time. Uh, let me help you guide you, guide you through this. Uh, and I think if Nana wants to expand upon that, you know, please feel free. Um, but that's what I'll add to that. Yeah, that was an interesting moment for me because I had to sort of, First of all, be like, listen, it's really important for you to send thank you emails. It's really important that I've given you my time, so you have to come with questions. It's really important that if I connect you with other people, I want to know that you're not going to approach them how you just approached me. <laughs> but because I'm still like early in my career, I'm happy to like have these discussions with you. But if I'm going to send you to somebody more senior, they probably are not going to be as happy to have these discussions with you. And so that was really interesting for me. So kind of on that note, um, we are going to do this again. I, we have so much engagement right now. I've been getting a lot of questions. Um, but if I can, we're, we're reaching time. So if I can ask everybody for their final thoughts, including Gabby, just everyone, if you want to give what you think are some final thoughts moving forward. And yeah, thank you all. This has been so excellent. And we're definitely going to post the video of it up online. Um, we'll probably put it on our Facebook and our YouTube pages so everybody can access it later and scribe it as well. So that will be a great addition. So yeah, final thoughts, everyone. I think the, the one thing that I know was mentioned just kind of as a final thought is, uh, you know, the if you're not familiar on how to approach someone to be your mentor, then kind of start with that peer mentorship. Talk to your friends and try to have a professional conversation with them. Understand their insights. And then if, if you also don't know how to approach somebody, if there's somebody who you want to talk to and you don't know what to do, LinkedIn is a very, very powerful tool. Use it. And also, if you're going to engage somebody, like I know I published an article last year or earlier this year, and so somebody reached out to me there like hey i read this article 
and I, I agreed with two of your points and I disagreed with one of them, I would love to chat. And an undergraduate sent me that. And I think that's probably the most powerful way to do it because you're speaking directly to something that I put out into the universe to foster a discussion. I would just piggyback that, utilize um, any networks that you have. I have people that even though they don't contact me directly, it feels familiar if somebody reaches out with somebody that's a that's a veteran or somebody from the Obama administration or a fraternity brother. So that's it. But I completely agree with, with, with Daniel there. I think you have to do your gather intel. Don't be creepy with it. But, you know, you definitely, I think it, it means something if somebody was able to bring something to me that they read an op-ed that, that I have pinned or they sat in the audience at a uh, panel that I sat on and they're able to reference that in some way. So I, I think that goes a, a long way. I would just say a few closing uh, points that I think will help everyone to be more successful. One is to find your passion. Two is to seek the knowledge of the thing that you love with all your heart. Three is to put yourself out there. And I guarantee you that if you do those three things, you'll start to come in contact and cross paths and be in rooms and spaces with the kind of people that can help you on the journey. I really, I do think it really is that simple, even though that may not necessarily be easy. And of course, you should avail yourself to the WCAPS uh, mentorship program and others like it wherever you can find them. I just want to say thank you. Um, I think I've learned a lot as well from being a part of this discussion. Um, I really appreciate WCAPS for hosting and setting this all up. I just put my information, my email in the chat. If anyone ever wants to reach out to me directly, please feel free. I'm, I'm very responsive uh, to things like that. But I just want to say thank you to everyone for, for setting this up, and I've had a great time. Thanks again to WCAPS for putting this together. And I think to echo some of the comments that were made, I don't know you. So you need to draw the connection between us. If you just send me a LinkedIn request, I may or may not accept it. If you write uh, an email or message with it and says, hey, Leo, I know you do this and it sounds awesome and I want to learn more about that. Oh, okay. Now I know. Now I know why you want to connect with me. Not because you want to connect with other people on my LinkedIn or whatever. It's because you actually want to engage in something that I've done. And I, I reached out to a woman a couple of years back and just was like, your career path is as messed up as mine. I want to know how did you succeed? I want to know how did you get these steps ahead and figure out is there anything I can learn or are we just two unique spirits that like are on this same path, you know, parallel paths and, and what can we do to, to support each other? And so, you know, sometimes you just got to put yourself out there and say, Hey, I am this person. I think I am awesome. I think you're a great, awesome person that could mentor me. Let's be awesome together. And sometimes that'll work, sometimes it won't. And uh, you just gotta, you gotta do it. And if it doesn't work, move on. There's gonna be someone else that will recognize your awesomeness inside you and will be glad to help. I have three little tidbits that I'll share in closing. So A, a mentor can look like anybody. So gender, race, ability, just be open to any possibility um, in terms of, mentor-mentee relationships. Two, uh, I heard a couple of people mention like peer mentoring. Your mentor doesn't have to be the most seasoned professional. They don't have to be at the top of the ladder. You can learn from anybody. The reverse or the opposite is also true. 
So if you're very seasoned, don't think that there's nothing that you can learn from somebody who just got into the career field or into the, into the working world. And then number three, uh, yeah, just don't be afraid to let go of a match that may not be mutually beneficial or serving. Don't be afraid to let go of a bad match. You don't have to make every interaction work, so to speak, because it won't work every time. So just keep building relationships, uh, meeting new people. I mean, don't go around trying to meet everybody, you know, request every person on LinkedIn. But yeah, don't be afraid to let go of a bad match. This has been so excellent. And thank you to all of our panelists. I've also learned a lot about being a mentor and being a mentee. And I'm going to turn it over to Bonnie to close us out today. And thank you, everybody, for everything and all you've done. Thanks, Netta. I just want to echo Netta's uh, comments to thank everyone for joining us and for staying with us throughout this uh, conversation. I just reading the comments, and I had fun engaging folks on, on chat as we, as we were listening to all this great advice. So I want to thank all of the panelists. You're amazing. You know, I've already, you know, I can already see how interested folks are for to hear this again. So they want it posted. And thank you for giving back and the role that all of you are playing in being mentors uh, to the next generation and to your, and to your colleagues. So thank you for doing that. And thanks for joining us uh, for this, uh, our first session on being a male mentor. And I get the feeling this won't be our last, just based on the feedback that we've gotten. Thanks, Netta, of course, for moderating so well. Appreciate that. Gabrielle, thank you for your leadership with our mentorship programs. We didn't mention to everyone the first year we did it, we had 20 people. We had 20 matches. This year we have 104. So we've gone up a lot. And so uh, it's a great program. We're going to be doing it again. And the Pipeline Fellowship Program is really just interesting watching the dynamics of the, the young girls, uh, just having the, the young women together. It's been really great. And I, and as Gabrielle said, you know, you can never stop learning. And I am learning from so many people and so many, and so many of the next generation. So thanks again. I just want to tell everyone to be safe, do the right thing. And we will be posting this on Facebook and on our website and our YouTube channel. And so, uh, Thanks again and have a wonderful rest of the day and a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.